to relieve that pain, which will be better for me, but not so enjoyable for all of you. This isn't a wedding. It's blood and it's guts. It's grits. It's violence. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 10th episode of The Crossroads. I'm your host, DFDC, Jeff Pomacho, and alongside with me is my belt brother from another mother, the one and only Dusty Dave. What's going on? Yo, what's up, Cactus Jeff? What's up, listeners? Uh, I, I, I'm in a good mood. In the background, I'm not in a good mood, but I'm happy to be recording again. And I'm happy with what we're going to be talking about. It's great to see you, Jeff. How's everything going uh, on your end of it? Yeah, we are definitely hanging in there. Definitely feeling, uh, you know, I guess the, you know, the the pressures of the outside world going on now. But very uh, much looking forward to discussing In Your House, which took place June 7th from the Performance Center. And it was an NXT takeover, so we saw, you know, a bunch of our favorite and namesake NXT superstars, including Killer Cross. I know his dominant victory over Ciampa was one of your favorite moments of the night. Did you want to, uh, yeah. you know, share some commentary um, on Karrion Cross dominating ab- in the ring? Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, just like I- I've mentioned on the show, how influential and motivational not just carrion but scarlet as well have been in my life i've met the two of them together twice and i met cross by himself an additional three times so first and foremost just like the goosebumps or as i like to call them goosey bumps i was getting during that entrance for his first takeover event was insane and If you guys checked out my Twitter yesterday, you know that I was posting a lot of pictures from watching TakeOver with my bunny rabbit. And usually she, like, you know, will go from shoulder to shoulder and hop around my bed. But I guess she realized, like, that the match that was on or, like, what was on the TV was so important to me because she watched it with me, too. She she literally like sat on my shoulder, watched with me, and she probably got closest enough to getting any affection from her because she was spayed in the wrong in the wrong time frame. So she's, now she's a rebellious teenager. So just <laughs> seeing Cross and Scarlet on Takeover was beautiful, and yeah. I, I was torn initially about how this match would go down because Champa. We know Ciampa's run from when he was in DIY, attacking Gargano, the super-de-duper long feud they had that ended with one final beat. So I, the coupling of the two, it really worried me. Because as a non-homegrown talent, Cross could theoretically have just been thrown to the wolves and Ciampa get back on his game, so to speak. Because your big names don't usually lose two feuds in a row or two ma- two big matches in a row. 
But this case was absolutely different. As we were discussing before, Ciampa, um, Ciampa was dominated. He was absolutely dominated. And first and foremost, one does not simply dominate Ciampa. It, it, it doesn't work like that. And they gave that to Cross. Like, Ciampa got minimal offense. And, and I, even as a huge Cross fan and a huge Ciampa fan, would have liked to see him get a little more. But I understand why. They wanted to put the exclamation point on the dominating win. And some of those spots, especially the uh, suplex with Ciampa's neck region onto the corner of the apron, that was something else. But... We also had the return of the finish that we most recently saw with the cage fight, not a cage match, which was the submission leading to the technical knockout. We've, yeah. we've seen that with Shayna. We've seen that with Asuka. We've seen that with Thatcher. We don't really see it as much on the main roster. But the thing is, when you're given the submission win not by the tap out but by putting them to sleep it, it, it that is i feel one of the biggest things that has to be taken into consideration like and we haven't even seen a lot of crosses move regimen we've we've seen the saido we've seen the cross jacket and we've seen a couple like you know beginner courses in his various uh fighting um knowledge like we've seen some of his sambo some of his muay thai yeah but just beginning to end i i literally was it, it felt like i was looking at the tv like when i was younger when like you know the season finale or something was coming on and you were glued to the tv it was so yeah. amazing and obviously as Jeff said, half of our show's namesake is from Killer Cross, now in WWE Carrion Cross. And we talked last week about how one of our good brothers from another network got me a Carrion Cross birthday message. So just it kind of coming full circle, like being given that and then seeing him dominate in his debut was amazing and literally like you can literally put in him into any feud whatsoever he could feud with cole he could feud with lee he could feud with finn he could feud with damian priest he could feud with gargano like there's so many people he could feud with and vegas betting odds would definitely be in the favor of of Carrie and Cross, and that's not just because he's hometown hero. Yeah, absolutely. Carrie and Cross's you know in ring debut was dominant, and Scarlett I think added tremendous, um, you know, not only you know eye candy and not only like just like a presence, but she also added so much more, you know, almost clandestine nature you wanted to find out more like what she's doing there what their relationship yeah. is like who well, like they are as a couple and like what 
you know, is their backstory. Because that's something we haven't, like, seen yeah. yet, which I can't it, wait until it, it's funny. we really get to. It's actually funny you mentioned that because even their face-off on the last NXT, you could even tell that the two, uh, Cross, Scarlet, and Ciampa all have prior interactions with each other. If you remember, she held the ropes open for Ciampa when they had the confrontation in the ring. So, like, it's not even just Scar Scarlet as a whole. But then Scarlet and Cross, like, obviously we know on the indies they were the killer smoke show. And if you guys ever need a crash course on killer Cross slash carrion Cross, there is a huge, like, I'm talking about 200 and 200 plus video collection on YouTube called The Black Book. And it basically, it basically spans his whole career. So if you need a crash course on Cross, check that out. You'll it'll also have Scarlet in it. But yeah, I'm I, I'm blown away. And mind you, Scar we haven't seen a an iota of what Scarlet can do yet. She is an in ring wrestler, and she's actually really good at it too. She just also has this amazing presence. She she has the makings of a a superstar. And on top of the fact, mind you. She's one of the few female performers who doesn't just like the diva label. She calls herself the super diva. So she loves to be able to use her sex appeal and to be a diva. But she also has that talent to back it up. Like, I mean, you could check out her, like, doing managerial work with Hoopla in Ring of Honor most more recently she had the uh smoke show of the days with um impact but like both cross and scarlet there's still a lot of question marks on th their reasons their goals their aspirations but in due time i mean I, I I'm I'm literally like at a loss for words because of how excited I am. And I don't recall being this excited for a takeover debut in a while. Yeah. You know, I think you really gave, you know, that moment justice in that it really was almost a textbook uh takeover debut for Karen Cross and Scarlet. And I think it really, you know, hopefully will be the first chapter in you know this long you know story and history in that next part of the black book if you will um for killer carrying cross and scarlet bardot the smoke show and i can't wait to see you know the stories that they tell and the again as you mentioned the career that scarlet herself is going to have i could already um you know think of matches with sasha banks or even with bailey and just countless others even like uh we saw trish stratus return against charlotte uh for some for SummerSlam last year even if trish were to come back again you know there's so many different opportunities that scarlet has because she's such a multifaceted superstar and this is just the beginning for the both of them um for me you know it's funny my top moment and my least you know moment the moment that i would improve on the most from in your house is actually found within the same match. For me, the top moment of the night 
was seeing Velveteen Dream exit his Lamborghini as none other than Negan. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a very big Walking Dead fan of both the comics and the TV show. And seeing um, you know Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character from the show really inspire Velveteen Dream, who always you know th- is finding inspiration from the pop culture world. But even the fact that he included the monochromatic painting of himself as you know Hollywood Dream on the back of his leather jacket and had a you know wrestling version of Lucille that he even used in the match and was able to add another layer to this Negan character because for people who aren't familiar you know with who Negan is and who he is in the Walking Dead universe but they're wrestling fans this is definitely going to make them want to say who was Velveteen dressed up as why was he carrying a bat you know what does that scarf mean who is this Negan character that so for me being a fan of both it was really just a highlight of the show for me but that also brings me to the low point of the show for me, which was Velveteen Dream not exiting in your house as the next WWE NXT champion. We've seen Adam Cole surpass that historic number of days, so I just didn't see why they didn't pull the trigger, especially after the spot in which we saw Adam Cole Bebe fall into the windshield and um cut his arm um you know i think that was that could have been a great way to end the match if he just didn't get up um but rather you know we saw adam cole win which i is great because you know the the legacy for gold continues in that respect but um i don't know prophecies do come to an end and i just thought uh you know it was time for the dream to uh show everybody mm. his championship ring. I don't know. What did um, you think about my favorite and least favorite um, match of the evening? Um, well, uh, I will absolutely talk about that, but I will also say my least favorite moment involves this match. But um, no, I, I absolutely loved a Dream. Literally, his from his first takeover to now, he always one-ups his outfits. Now, mind you, we've had... Him with Roddy's wife and child on his tights. We've had Call Me Up Vince. We've had uh, Dream Ova, a Hollywood Hollywood Dream. Like, he, he, he literally just embodies the takeover entrance and ring gear. Uh, and I would say com- the only two that are as comparable are Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor. Like Finn Balor, he had the different demon painting. If you remember, he came out as Jack the Ripper demon in uh, from London. Uh, and then Johnny Gargano, he does something different from the Marvel, Disney, Super Universe. I believe this, this time around he did The Mandalorian. But yes. but uh, so what I'm getting at is just that he dreams in great company for entrance attires. Now, I also was very surprised that he did not win. Now, I last year I was in attendance for Takeover 25, and I was literally on the aisle, second row on the left side of the stage. If you're looking at the ring for that match. And I like I drove all the way to Bridgeport 
to go to that pay-per-view. That was an early birthday present for me last year. So I, I've literally, like, been... I was there when Cole won it. I personally think he should have won it at New York. But I'm a lot happier he won it in Bridgeport for an anniversary and not just your regular accompaniment of Big Four takeover, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I I will say it's it's almost like for an Adam Cole defense, you can literally break the de- break the match down into four segments. You have face off. You have Adam Cole getting offense first. Opponent getting offense. So you have that transition of getting the offense. Undisputed Era comes in and interferes. Adam Cole wins. Issa, our uh, good friend from our Rant with Ant fam, she was even saying that literally every Adam Cole defense is the exact same thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, yes, that's what heels do. I understand heels do the dastardly things. And yes, it was a no DQ match. But there there's doing the matches to that roadmap every time, it's gonna get people not invested in it. Because they'll yeah. be, they'll be like, oh, I could cut out of the match, let's say if it's competing against another wrestling show or another big thing going on, I could cut out for this match for this period of time and I could be back just in time for that one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. It, so, like, and, and, and mind you, like, Adam Cole, he's, like, uh, I think he's honestly, like, a month younger than me. So he's about to be 31. Dream is still super young. Dreams is like what twenty three. Think so. And and so the thing is, I I think any talk of him going to the main roster yet, like he he needs to do. He he's been doing work in NXT, but he like he had the run with the North American, but like he's literally been prevented from reaching that brass ring. Vince McMahon's favorite favorite metaphor going for the brass ring and he's being held back for and i don't know why yeah and then on top of it with everything that's going on it would have been a really nice thing to see dream who mind you before he had the velveteen dream he had the pirate gimmick patrick clark he had a lot of really bad gimmicks so but he like kept up and he he's a prodigy but it would have been nice with everything everything going on for them for NXT to have crowned their second African American champ uh wor- men's world champion first being Biggie Langston Biggie yeah now um you know for me um just as you know you said you know Adam's Adam Cole's victory was unfortunately very predictable and we did see you know, the rest of Undisputed Era get involved in the match and then taken out of the match by uh, Demetrius hiding under the, or Dexter's. De- 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 yeah, De- Dexter Loomis. I, I am glad with that. And <laughs> what, what I'm liking about Dexter Loomis is he has no rhyme or reason. He literally just has that unpredictability where he yeah. can show up with anything. He's shown up in the crowd for uh, K 
characters walk back. He came from under the ring. Like, so he literally has this roadmap that isn't a roadmap. And it's, and I think he's one of the people on all three brands who is benefiting most from the no crowd. Because the no crowd, and now, now even with the crowd, his entrance is still so discomforting with like that creepy music and the smoke that it, it, it falls on deaf ears. It's silent. And his emotions, like he, he has this keen way of just showing people what he wants to show them. And he's dominant. But now let me lead that to my least favorite moment of TakeOver. And that was the production value of the Backlot Brawl as a whole. Now, the first Backlot Brawl was Goldust versus... Piper. Piper. And they, they that was done during the day. So, like, it, it, it being done at night wasn't so much, but it, it was... Really, two main things. The cars surrounding the ring with the headlights making it, like, Fast and Furious, like they were about to Tokyo Drift, which made it really hard when the cameras were focused on the ring to actually see what's happening in the ring because of the J.J. Abrams' favorite move, the lens flare. The second of which were those really, really, really hard discombobulated camera cuts now obviously wwe does to a t its camera cuts but when it comes to cinematic matches especially this one i rank this as the worst of all their cinematic matches and and i'm also going to throw in uh stadium stampede from aw in that it's just the camera the camera was so harsh I actually had to like look away and just watch it with my ears because it was like getting me dizzy it was getting me dizzy from the constant cuts and then when it was focused on the ring it was a headlights they could have done that match so much so much better um but one thing I will say it's not in any way shape or form Cole or Dream's fault. It was just a match that was overproduced. Like it, it, it was overproduced, and I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna let it take. Is everything all right? Yeah, we're good. I'm not gonna let it take away from both of them had like a great, great in ring stuff, but it's just the camera cuts cut at the wrong time, so we miss stuff. Then on top of it, the lens flare, and then just, like, the back and forth cutting, it literally, like, I felt like I was getting vertigo. Yeah, the production of this match, you know, it was, every one has been so different. Um, For me, my favorite and most successful is, are really the two that we saw at WrestleMania being the Boneyard match and, and the, the fun Firefly House. Funhouse match. Um, I will say that the Stadium Stampede, um, in particular the the Kenny Omega and Sammy Guevara match uh, spot, rather, um, was just such an amazing you know spot. And while the Cole and Velveteen match had that windshield 
you know, spot. It was just a lot. It, like you said, you know, it was hard to focus. Um, for me, what really broke it up for me was I didn't like the fact that the ref wasn't wearing, like, a traditional ref shirt. Like, I, the, like my eye was playing, like, tricks on that because I was, like, half the time I was, like, is that a camera guy? I was, like, oh, yeah. no, that's the ref. Yeah. Like, I, that's, like, the one thing, like, production-wise that, like, I would have, like, put him in something, like, either, like, ridiculous to fit, like, the backyard you know, thing, or maybe, like, have him, like, come out of the Lamborghini as, like, uh, Velveteen's, like, walker, being that he's going with the Negan shtick. Yeah. Like, but, it, it like, I, I, I do see what you're saying, um, like, but, but mind you, with these cinematic matches, the ref literally is only there, so it seems, to count the pin or call the submission. <clears throat> so, like, I understand why they did the black... But if they were doing black for the rep, they should have had the camera crew in a different color. It it, it, it was confusing, yeah. but I mean, it 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 just didn't it 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 didn't land with me, and, and and I mean like the stadium stampede, like I didn't think it would land with me, and it did, it, it absolutely did. Like I, and literally I was curious going into that match how they were going to use the whole stadium and for fuck's sake they use the whole stadium but um yeah yeah no i i uh, i guess it's just the backlot brawl numero two didn't land with me but that that doesn't like i said i don't want that to take away from dream or cole and how they perform in that match because they're both extremely talented individuals. They absolutely are. So, it, it, yeah. It, and then, I mean, there there are even so many parts of the pay-per-view that we didn't even focus on. Like, I mean, it, it overall was such a great pay-per-view. And I was very surprised to see the women's match go last. But we did have EO win. And I just wanted to bring up that confetti treatment that is like typical for the Japanese Joshi promotions, New Japan and Ring of Honor. And so like it, it, it was nice to see that. Um, obviously, Charlotte was protected. But one thing I actually like outside of the event as a whole, I do want to talk about. And that's they showed with this takeover yesterday that they are able to do unique sets in the performance center. And mind you, we haven't had unique sets with the exception of WrestleMania for ages. I, re I remember how they used to have the, the electric chair for King of the Ring. How they had Royal Rumble like with Cactus Jack and Triple H in Madison Square Garden. They had those metal doors coming down like the street. Like... Backlash used to have the swinging scythe. Like, I want them to bring back unique pay-per-view sets. They don't need to be the, the like, craziest things. But, like, last night, it, In Your House came back. Todd Pennengill showed up on the pre-show. And the doorbell had a camera in it. And they were able to feed in the doorbell camera to our screens. And I think that was absolutely ingenious. And, like, 
yesterday was 25 years. So I was six and change when the first In Your House debuted. So literally, it, it, it came off as such a good event. And I think the unique stages give more to the, to the events. Like, even if it's something like how, for Double or Nothing, AW does the casino theme. So you have the casino chips. You have the screens during the matches doing the um, penny slots. Just, like, do something. Or, like, I loved the pay-per-views the most that had the most unique sets. Like, I loved Judgment Day. I loved Armageddon. I loved No Way Out. I loved Backlash. I loved King of the Ring. King of the Ring was always my favorite big four. When it used to be the tournament and the winner would challenge for the title at SummerSlam. So I ultimately think they could bring back smaller iterations of sets for these pay-per-views. And it won't throw their budget into like, you know craziness but it would give more to the fans to show us that like you know they care too yeah um for sure i think you know it was really nice to see the unique set and they had to i feel like they really had to do it once you know this event was announced being that in your house was so iconic for its original you know set and obviously we didn't get you know a full you know, house facade that we did back in the day, but we absolutely got, you know, such really innovative, um, you know, camera angles and, you know, different techniques that, you know, showed different, um, really different views and gave, you know, us, you know, the viewers at home, you know, some really interesting things to look at. So I did really appreciate that they're playing around more with the optics, especially being that, you know, obviously, even though as restrictions and phases, you know, start to go to more towards, you know, being fully open, we're not there yet. So they're still, you know, playing around with, um, you know, how to, you know, keep our interest being that a full crowd as we know it um, isn't quite there. Um, but and, and, you know, you said it well, you know, for me, the whole pay-per-view, I really enjoyed um, everything from the social awareness, you know, uh, demonstrated by Keith Lee, um, to, you know, EO winning to Finn Balor again, you know, being that dominant Finn Balor that we all know. Um, you know, I think there were just so many, you know, opportunities, even when Shotzi, um, you know, had their victory and Tegan Knox just looking so genuinely happy that, you know, that she won over, you know, over Dakota. Um, so, you know, that just so many moments that happened, you know, really great. Like I said, you know, I, I predicted every match correctly other than the Cole Velveteen match. So, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this whole pay-per-view was enormously successful. Um, it was weird not having um, Matt Riddle on a takeover it, 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 I will say it, that. it absolutely was weird but i mean he's honestly he's obviously on his way to smackdown um which is great for him but but even another thing um dakota kai's outfit uh while it didn't say it outright she wore the same style of outfit that Hana kimura used to wear in stardom and uh she even posted a picture of it earlier today with um 
the letters H-A-N-A separated by one of the flower emojis. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And yes, you brought up Keith Lee uh, with the social awareness with the Black Lives Matter thing. And like it, 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 it's amazing what these events can do during times of difficulty. But I mean, I, I hope to God that takeover in your house becomes an annual takeover. And I would almost even go further as saying takeover in your house should be NXT's WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's... No, it's so interesting, um, especially when you think about the fact that literally we've been stuck in our houses, you know, for these past several months, and they did a pay-per-view of In Your House. Um, so that alone, you know, I think that this really stretch of pay-per-views, and we'll see if uh, SummerSlam is going to be included in that. I'm pretty confident that Backlash will be, but of these pay-per-views without crowds, you know, famously now on our show, you and I attended the last one with a crowd being Elimination Chamber. Um, but, you know, these pay-per-views are going to be remembered, you know, as such. And it's clear to see that uh, as they progress, and even if you want to include AEW pay-per-views as well, namely being double or nothing, um, with each, you know, pay-per-view that happens during quarantine, they're getting better and they're getting better and they're getting better. And I definitely was excited to see not just another generic takeover, but something in addition to more of those gimmick pay-per-views, as you mentioned, like War Games that we see in the NXT brand and now in your house. So I really, um, hopefully, you know, want to see in your house be an annual event for the yellow and black brand. Yep. And yeah, I mean, is there, I mean, is there any? Thing, any pit stops that we want to make before we close out this um, episode? I'm trying to think of. Uh, you know, I I I can't think of any, but um, I I I do want to do want to just give like some positive, uh, words to everyone. Like I, I'll openly admit, I myself have been struggling a bit lately mentally between starting to go back to work two days a week and then dealing with the unemployment how I'm supposed to claim those two days a week, all the stress that accompanies with it. I've been very, very stressed, but just, just remember to breathe when difficulty and hardships come up. On the surface, right off the bat, it may look like something that's too big to overcome. But just remember, take things one step at a time. And if it does get to the point where it's overwhelming, reach out to your friends. Reach out to your family. Reach out to those that you hold close. And And remember, taking mental health breaks when needed or disconnecting from social media aren't bad things we all need them sometimes in all honesty i think more of us should do them so just no one knows you better than you so if if you're seeing more of the dreary and more of the negative over the positive 
take care take care of your mental faculties first and then move forward it may not be a day a week a month but take that time that you need to we we all need that break sometime and at the end of the day our friends our family and those we hold closest will help us get through it very well said you know definitely the um you know the quarantine the pandemic and you know the um you know everything that's going on you know in the united states and around the world today in terms of the social justice pandemic that is taking place as well um you know it's definitely heavy um it's heavy on a lot of people for a lot of different reasons um and it's heavy on me too um, so, de- you know, it's definitely, you know, well said, um, you know, reach out to your, to your loved ones if need be. And, you know, with all this stuff, you know, we're all here with everybody and us two are taking things, you know, one step at a time. But as always here on the crossroads, we tick tock, do the work.